We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the DFS Pick 6 on Roto-Grinders. I'm Eric Cranman, and joined, as I am on every single Wednesday, by two of the best in the business. We got John Daigle, we got Rich Reeves. Daigle, how we doing today, buddy? One time, I'm genuinely going to pay to start this broadcast five minutes early, because the Crane household is always just a mess. Like, as you're picking up your mouse right yeah, I know, now. Right? I was like, I'm like, I was joking with Devin, I'm like, you gotta give like the hand count down. And then I do that, and just like, my mouse it ends up on the floor it's really incredible that they still allow me on um shows where there's it's never normal from the host side ever <laughs> it's true it really is amazing that like they still let me do this but hey that's how it goes. <laughs> okay hopefully the camera laggy issues that we've had the last few weeks are have been fixed i think we may or may not have figured out a fix and if not uh, we will blame that eh, will blame reeves reeves blame the next guy yeah. yeah reeves how we doing yeah, what's going on, guys? You know, uh, coming off of a you know pretty wild week five, you know where everyone uh, was throwing their hands in the air and throwing fits because you know for one week out of the the whole season, all the you know the chalk hits and you know people were freaking out, points were crazy. But uh, where was everyone uh, for the first four weeks? And we had like two really low scoring weeks, and you know, uh, you know it, it was just one week, you know, and everyone was freaking out last week because Will Fuller finally hit. Uh, you know what? Everybody, like, anytime somebody like Will Fuller is going to be chopped, I'm so happy to fade him right up until they go for, like, you know, I don't know, 50-ish, then I'm just screwed at that point. Dale, how was your week five? Yeah, I mean, I was overweight in Hopkins in tournaments over Fuller. Fuller was an easy cash play. Uh, so tournaments, I didn't do too well. But for the most part in cash, uh, I swept. I think I ended up with 255.4, which was a solid number for cash this week on DK. So... It was still a good week overall. Yeah, that must be nice. Reeves, how was your week five? 
it was solid, man. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things like, yeah, it didn't have 350 anywhere, but you know, it's like, hey, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah, Will Fuller was, you know, listen, we were playing Will Fuller because the wheels fell off and everyone else was apparently too. So, uh, you know, everyone got their wish. We'll see if we go back to the well this week or if, you know, we just want to go and chase his teammate. Yeah, I'm going to be chasing his teammate because, well, I, it works for all the Will Fuller people. They just played him every single week till he finally hit. I'm hoping to do that with DeAndre Hopkins at this point. But uh, I'm going to go with Odell Beckham still. I'm just going to play Odell Beckham now until he hits. God, this has been a weird year. This is we're going to talk about Odell Beckham a little bit later. Don't you worry. Okay, all right. I'm glad. Thank goodness because this show hasn't been sad enough. All right, let's go ahead and start it off with the game where Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins will be playing. Houston at Kansas City, the Chiefs. Five-point favorites in a game with a 54-and-a-half total. And, Reeves, this is the game. This is the game that everybody's going to be targeting. Everybody's going to say, I have to have pieces here. Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, obviously two of the top quarterback plays. The running game's here. Houston, we don't want any of these guys. Kansas City, we can't play any of these guys because we don't know what's going to happen. It's all about the passing game here for me. And, Reeves, I'm going to have a tough time playing a lineup without pieces of this game. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel similarly. I mean, uh, I don't know if you heard, though, but uh, Patrick Mahomes has been canceled. He's been exposed. Oh, yeah, he sucks. Uh, yeah, he's, not, he's, he's no longer any good. Uh, you know, he can't defeat man coverage. He was uh, the Colts blitzed at the highest rate. I do give the Colts credit, though, because, you know, we talk about Matt Everfliss and that system that they've run uh, there in Indianapolis, the, you know, a little over a year. And they've been a strict zone cover two team. And they came out of it in the second half of that game. They played, you know, all-man coverage. They they blitzed at the highest rate. Patrick Mahomes has been blitzed uh, in his career. And, you know, they stymied them. And, you know, they got down. I mean, granted, you know, Sammy Watkins got hurt. And also, Sammy Watkins is like the king of the that plays five snaps or less and leaves the game. Uh, and then, you know, no Tyree Kill. Andrew Wiley left that game. You know, a lot of things were, were working, you know, against, you know, Patrick Mahomes. But even a mortal version of Patrick Mahomes the past few weeks is still thrown for 300 yards in each game. He slid over you know, 20 DK points, 18, you know, standard fantasy points have been a top 12 quarterback. I mean, you look at Houston, um, they've had two games against Gardner Minshew uh, and Kyle Allen, but outside of that have really given up, uh, you know, a plethora of, of points to quarterbacks, you know, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, and Matt Ryan last week. Uh, the interesting thing here is, you know, um, the, the Chiefs have a really, like, weird inverse, like, home road splits. Uh, and this is, goes back beyond Patrick Mahomes. It's under Andy Reid as well. They actually have an NFL worst like home away differential. Like in Arrowhead, just like points come way down. Uh, you know, historically they're nine points fewer than on the road, and in under Andy Reid, they're three point three fewer points scored at home than on the road, and that's kind of taken over with Patrick Mahomes. His he has better splits on the road than he does at home for his career, which is you know kind of you know not again it's against the norm. You know, we talk about Deshaun Watson. He's got another guy that has really inverse splits because he's a quarterback that plays better as a dog than as a favorite, which really is abnormal for quarterbacks as well. I mean, um, so, I mean, uh, he averages 27.4 fantasy points. Sean Watson does as a road underdog by five or more points. That's pretty unheard of for quarterbacks. I mean, we, usually people bring up garbage time and chasing game script, but that's a complete myth for fantasy, um, you know, if chasing it weekly. You'll get a game that's an outlier and it sticks out, but historically you want guys playing with the lead and playing with offensive diversity. But Sean Watson's been one of these guys. When he has to point chase, he is hammered, you know, for us in fantasy. Yeah, and, you know, this is going to be another spot where he's likely going to be having to point chase because he's playing that Chiefs offense. And, Daigle, do you have a preference between these two quarterbacks? Oh, I mean, as you talked, it's point chasing. They're both so good. 
uh, recency buys, bias tells us to go back to Watson after career highs across the board. But uh, I, I genuinely still think it's a great spot for Patrick Mahomes, especially after a down week that now everyone, as you said, thinks he's just the worst quarterback and prime for regression all year long, as opposed to just a couple bad games. But the issue about this offense is that we are all just waiting around uh, Byron Pringle obviously spiked 6-103 in a touchdown as Sammy Watkins was injured and left the game and Tyreek Hill didn't play. Tyreek Hill got in limited practice on Wednesday. I actually think he's trending towards playing. And Byron Pringle's like cash game status depends on Watkins and Hill both playing or both their availability in this game. Um, either way, I don't fret too much as Reeves talked about. It's it's just a smash spot for the Chiefs offense and Mahomes and on bounce back as a whole now. So uh, I still lean Mahomes in this matchup, but the ancillary pieces are what we're really waiting on here. Yeah, so, I mean, to me, I think Tyreek Hill is going to play, and it kind of sounds like Sammy Watkins probably won't, which means that guys like Nicole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, maybe even Brian P- Byron Bingle are interesting this week. Reeves, when you look at these secondary pieces for the Chiefs, who are you looking at? Well, I mean, like I said, we have to see who's going to play. I mean, if Tyreek plays, we'll probably get Tyreek, Hardman, and Demarcus Robinson. So Demarcus Robinson's probably going to be in no matter what. He's the guy. He's going to probably line up against, you know, Lonnie Joyner the most. That the, the He's a guy to attack. And, I mean, John, old 35-year-old Jonathan Joseph can't run with any of these guys anyways. We're not concerned about these. But Hardman's kind of been the guy that's been playing the slot, playing a lot more slot snaps. So, I mean, he can fill in for Watkins, who has been basically the primary slot guy. Uh, you know, Tyreek comes back. Uh, so we just need to see what's going to happen. I mean, Tyreek still sounded, it still kind of sounded up in the air. They said it's basically going to come down to be a true game time decision. I would love for him to go all the way against the gun so people will just forget and not, you know, not play him at all. If, you know, we get like a, a true game time decision on him, he'll come in under, you know, in, a, in what could be like a, a bonanza for us. Uh, but, you know, if either of these guys don't play, then, I mean, you know, last week it'll be – we just saw Byron Pringle will come in. So the Chiefs have played five games so far. They've had a different leading receiver in all five games, which is pretty – it's pretty crazy. Uh, they're the only team in the league like that. It's, that just shows how, like, you know, Pat Mahomes and what he's been dealing with and how good he still is too and is a talent elevator and his offense as a whole is a talent elevator. Um, so we have to see who's going to be avail- available. But, I mean, that's kind of where we're at. I think Demarcus Robinson is probably the safest player of the guys outside of you know, chasing the the tournament guys and, and Tyreek and Watkins. And then, you know, if, if Watkins is out, Hardman gets the bump and it pills out, then we'll have those three guys again uh, all to play with. But I mean, I'm kind of interested in the backfield this week. So we had Daniel oh. Williams. Yeah. Oh, Damian the Will- Chiefs? Yeah. All right. Da- Damian Williams came back last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sean McCoy didn't even have a rushing attempt. He smoked him in snaps and had 12 touches to two. Uh, he's been pretty ineffective so far, Damon Williams. I mean, he has 159 total yards and 43 touches now. Um, but so we're not in like the far in the clear, having clear cut usage here. But the Texans have like been really like slaughtered in the passing game by running backs. Now they face a ton of good, you know, receiving backs. That's kind of kind of what Damian Williams is too. That's like where his best asset is is in the passing game, and we've yet to see that really unleashed. I mean, Kamara got him for 7 and 72. McCaffrey got him for 10 for 86. Last week, the Falcons guys got him for 11 and 85 and a touchdown receiving. Uh, Leonard Fournette had 4 for 40. Eckler had 7 for 45. I mean, the Chiefs can really exploit these linebackers with these backs, and we know that they scheme stuff to their running backs anyways, the passing game. 
So, I mean, I think that there's some upside here. I mean, you obviously you're not playing these guys' cash games, but in a game that's going to go back and forth, I mean, there's some upside here. And based on Damian Williams' snap count and touch count, I think that he becomes really interesting this week. Uh, the Chiefs are starting to become like the Patriots for me, where I don't know which freaking running back it's going to be every week. So I don't want to play any of these guys. Dago, do you like any of these running backs? I'm actually on Reeves with Damian Williams oh. and tournaments. Uh, Damian Williams, as he said, played a full practice all week long, came back as the same as LaShawn McCoy off the team's injury report all together on Friday, and then outsnapped McCoy and Daryl Williams 35 to 24. Uh, he ran 20 routes to McCoy's 10, and that was second on the team. Damian Williams is basically a 65, uh, 65, 25, I had to do math in my head, and 10 running oh. back to Damian Williams, McCoy, and Daryl Williams right now. And with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, that's extremely valuable, especially because no one's like looking high at him right now. Um, not a cash game play, yes, but in tournaments, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in on Williams this week. The Patrick Mahomes, Damian Williams, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins. Let's go. Oh, let's boy. do it. Well, let's talk about this Texan side because, Dagle, we had Will Fuller absolutely go nuts last week. I imagine everyone. As – Oh God, I'm so sick of the Will Fuller victory laps from people. Like I just didn't have them and it didn't work. I had all the Hopkins. So this week, what am I doing? I'm going right back to DeAndre Hopkins because, well, it can't be any worse than last week. Dago, what do you think about this Houston packing and passing attack? Imagine victory lapping Will Fuller, Christian McCaffrey, and Lamar Jackson <laughs> when everyone talked about it. Literally everyone loved them. But uh, nonetheless, here we are. And it's, one like the, week, it's like when people were victory lapping Devontae Adams when he had that big Thursday night game. Yeah, and Mike Evans when he had the big game. It's yeah. just like, we all played him. Don't worry, yeah. guys. Uh, but nonetheless, here we are one week later, and on the year, Will Fuller, even after having 120 more air yards than DeAndre Hopkins last week, Will Fuller only now leads Hopkins in air yards by 20 because Hopkins has been doing everything he possibly can the issue is no one has produced around him until last week. So Fuller's outbreak is genuinely best case scenario for Hopkins because now defenses, the Chiefs included, have to be worried about somebody else besides DeAndre on the side. And uh, I think it's just literally best case scenario for Hopkins that someone else did something last week. So now having his salary dropped uh, across the industry on both sites, I I'm right back on him in both cash games and tournaments all the way. What about you, Reeves? Are you on Team Hopkins or are you on Team Fuller? This week, I, I'm Team Hopkins. I mean, it just it sets up well to kind of almost where he's squeak wheel. It's funny, he had, he actually had seven for 88 in that game, which isn't, like, terrible. Uh, but, you know, Will Fuller had the most uh, fantasy points for a wide receiver since Terrell Owens in 2000. Uh, and, you know, we talk about regression hitting. It hit in spades. You know, he got it all back at once. And made a big difference. He's actually now overachieved, overachieved his expected, you know, uh, output for the season. That's <laughs> pretty, pretty funny how this works, you know, early in the season. Um, but he was targeted in the highest rate any player has been targeted in a game this year. Just worked out. We talked about it. no Kenny Stills last week. Looks like Kenny Stills. He's he put in a limited practice today, so he could come back. Um, you know, Dagle talked about last week just how maybe those with Kenny Stills being there, he cannibalized you know some of those deep targets, and we could have that again. But I mean, I think in a game that's back and forth. Uh, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is kind of in that squeaky wheel spot. Uh, and he's another guy that has gone as Watson goes. Of course, there's some symmetry there as like big dogs and big dogs on the road. Um, he's averaging 7.6 catches for 112 yards and 22 
6.3 PPR points per game in that same scenario we talked about Deshaun Watson as a road dog by five or more points. So, I mean, it's just it's just a smash spot. I mean, you have the cool thing about Hopkins is you have to keep paying for him. Like, no one's going to get a freebie like Will Fuller last week where he, you can get those 50 points and still fit in someone really awesome. Uh, at least when we're paying, playing Hopkins, we have to pay for him. Uh, so, you know, there won't be that universal clean sweep uh, for everybody this week. I think it actually helps us for Fuller's ownership because everyone's going to chase Fuller now, right? Except the great people listening to this uh, video cast and podcast. But for for Kiki QT, I thought he was going to play more, but the Texans actually switched and only played QT on 40% of their snaps because they moved to 12 personnel and played Darren Fells and uh, uh, Jordan Akins for a majority of the time. So if Stills is back, you still go to Hopkins because of regression and because of a salary decrease, but that actually takes away from Fuller's targets as well. So it actually helps out the people willing to roster Hopkins in this spot. All right, let's move over to San Francisco at the Rams. 15 and a half point total, the Rams three and a half point favorites at home. And a real quick note that I'm not sure that everybody's seen. Todd Gurley popped up on the injury report. He's currently day-to-day, so we're going to have to uh, keep an eye out for that. Thank goodness I dropped Daryl Henderson in season-long today um all right let's start with the san francisco side because reeves this is one of those teams that obviously they're winning a lot of games they're running the hell out of the ball but much like the situation with kansas city much like new england we don't know what the hell to do with these running backs week in and week out i understand matt Breida had the big game devin coleman is back reeves give me some clarity with the san francisco side well, well, Coleman coming back actually helped us, I think. It really did. It made it a lot more – it made, it turned a, a three-headed monster really into a two. I mean, most are cleaned up. Uh, he still got some stamps, but really was a cleanup. So what when they when Coleman got hurt at first, they basically se- segregated his role into Jeffrey Wilson took the goal on carries, and then Mostert took the passing down work. Now Coleman comes back. He's basically – he got that all back. Uh, Breida housed that 83-yard touchdown, and he got a receiving target. He's still not going to – the guy getting – the carries in that area, the money zone. Uh, Coleman came in. He had, they only had one rushing attempt inside the 10, and Coleman got it. Um, but he was in the red zone as well and caught an, He had another 19-yard uh, touchdown run in that game. So, I mean, it, at least we know it's a two-headed backfield pretty much that we could play. Um, and, you know, they lead the league in everything, every rushing category, touches per game, yards per game. It's going to be curious now to see if there's a trickle-down effect now between they lost Joe Steele a couple weeks ago. Now they've lost Mike McGlinchey today for four to six weeks. Uh, and they lost use check, you know, in that game, Booger's favorite player uh, on Monday night. So, I mean, uh, but I mean, all these things, we're going to see if they come into play against a really active, you know, defensive line. But, you know, the Rams have gotten, you know, pretty much shredded the past two weeks on the ground. Uh, actually, even longer than that by backfields. I mean, they've allowed 172 yards, 117, 131, one solid game, of 83 and 210 yards to opposing backfields through five weeks. Uh, well, so, so we'll see if there's a trickle down there, like if the injury bug kind of catches up to him. Um, Justin School was, has been playing for Joe Staley. He's been a lot better in the run game than the pass game. Um, and an AFF player is going to be playing for Mike McGinchy. So maybe Daigle knows him. Daniel Brunskill. I, I do know, know Daniel Brunskill, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, an AAF darling. Um, but, I, you, and, and, you know, maybe we'll see, you know, a guy like George Kittle have to block more in this game. Uh, there's no Clay Matthews for the Rams side. I mean, I think that the Rams would definitely trade not having Clay Matthews for no use check McClinchy and Joe Staley. I think that they would definitely agree to those terms before the game. Uh, but the 49ers are what you said. They're a complete sum of parts offense. Really, we're looking at Kittle. 
and then you can dabble for Brita or Tevin Coleman, um, but the touches are going to be split. And Brita's a guy that probably has limited touchdown upside. Okay, so there's just a ton of guys and a ton of moving parts for San Francisco. That's what you're saying. Dago, what do you think about the San Francisco side? Genuinely, there's just a bunch of moving parts. And yes, it does suck. They missed their less. They are now playing with their left tackle, right tackle, and fullback, as Reeves said. But uh, this is still a team, as he hinted on, that uh, leads in run play rate and what we look to one run play rate in one score situations. So they're still going to run the ball. They're going to find a way. I think they move Ross Dwelly, their backup tight end, into the backfield to help out with blocking. Um, but it is best case scenario, seriously, that they are now two-headed in Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida. Um, I still think, though, given the five-man rotation, six-man six sometimes that they play at wide receiver, uh, Dante Pettis, for instance, led them led all their wide receivers in snaps last week with 63%. But even he, even if he would have held on to the touchdown he dropped at the end, like would have finished with 240 and a touchdown to lead their whole receiving corps. It's clearly George Kittle or nothing from the receiving game. So uh, sprinkling in these pieces for tournaments is just sketchy because it's all guesswork. So it could, it can hit, but who you guess, it's just wild. So uh, it's really two running backs or Kittle for me, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just Kittle. That's the only guy I'm messing with this game. I, I don't see really need to play the other guys. But the Rams, you know, we're waiting on news right here because Todd Gurley, late addition to the injury report, and this is going to be something to monitor because if he misses, all of a sudden Malcolm Brown becomes interesting. Daryl Henderson, maybe he's finally unleashed in some capacity. Reeves, what do we think about this Rams side? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, uh, you know, it's interesting too how they approach that game Thursday. I thought coming into last Thursday, that was kind of be like a telltale spot where they would give Gurley a reduction. You know, he had played a season high, 67 snaps in that Bucks game, even though he only had five carries, he did have 11 targets, but didn't come off the field. And then they played four days later. I was like, well, this is the spot where they're going to take the, their foot off the gas with Gurley and, you know, get back to Malcolm Brown. And he played 93% of the snaps. He had 18 touches. So that was like a signal to me. I was like, all right, well, they're not worried about his knee. Uh, the only thing is, is that Todd Gurley's still bad at football this year. Like he's <laughs> like, that's the thing. I mean, he's completely had touchdown deodorant. That's it. The past, I mean, he, he hasn't gone over 70 yards from scrimmage since week one, but he has four touchdowns the past two weeks and has been playing all these snaps. Um, but it was kind of a, a week to kind of get off of him a little bit still too. I mean, San Francisco is only allowing 95 yards per game to opposing backfields at second in the league. Uh, they haven't allowed a running back to finish in the top 30 in scoring yet in any week uh, so far this season. I mean, their D-line is, is really good. And this Rams interior offensive line is a problem for Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's lack of explosion is a problem for Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's lack of involvement in the receiving games is a problem for Todd Gurley. And now his quad or thigh is a problem for Todd Gurley. I don't, not, I don't know if I'm going to be ready to get on board. If we, if we catch a freebie where Gurley's just out, I mean, obviously we're going to take advantage of it and take advantage of touches. It w- I mean, all signals point to being Malcolm Brown if you looked at the start of the season. So, I mean, I don't know if I would get cute with Daryl Henderson, uh, a guy that has gotten no time in the field at all whatsoever and was playing the entire preseason while Malcolm Brown was put in bubble wrap. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be going that far down the well. I think it'll be Brown. Uh, But this was an objectively bad spot for Gurley coming in to begin with because all he's been doing is falling into the end zone. All right. So, Dagle, are you looking at the passing game here then with the Rams? Yeah, it's still just a tough spot overall. Like the Rams have had issues pass protecting from the beginning, and now they get a top 10 pressure rate Niners defensive line that we just saw 
absolutely like stonewalled and murdered the Browns, who are just as bad at pass pro. This Niners defensive line and defense as a whole are just so underrated. Um, and they're almost like the Bears last year in season long, where you just lock them in and they're matchup proof. You don't even worry about it. So that is concerning. But, uh, you know, if you have to choose one, it depends because we need to wait. It's really a wait-and-see week, and it's not like a hard wait-and-see. It's more of a Friday wait-and-see, and you can plug in your lineup from there because if Brandon Cooks, who's dealing with a concussion, is now out, I think it's less Josh Reynolds and more 12 personnel with Gerald Everett, yeah. who, they've got, who they've gotten involved the past two weeks, and it's still so cheap across both sites despite the fact that the past two weeks alone, his routes run per game has jumped from 37 per game to 23 in those first three games he played. Like, they're finally making a concerted effort. And remember, when they drafted Gerald Everett, that was Sean McVay's first ever pick in the 2017 Rams regime. And then he even called Everett personally and told him, like, you're my Jordan Reed. He comped him to a pass-catching tight end. And I don't want to, like, I don't want to jump on it too quickly, but I, I get the feeling I really think it's happening finally because it's actually, happening. I, I really do think it's happening. And uh, so, whereas last year they played Josh Reynolds on 93% of their snaps in the eight games that Cooper Cup missed, I actually think we look to Gerald Everett in this spot, whether Brandon Cooks is out or not. But if he is out, it helps us out a lot. Yeah, Gerald Everett just 3.6K over on DraftKings, somebody who would, yeah, I mean, provide one hell of a value over there. Reeves, are you looking at the passing game here? Do you have a preference between Woods and Cup? You know, we don't know whether Cooks is in or not, in or out either yet. Yeah, I mean, last week was the first week. So, like, the Bucks game was a game where they dropped back 68 times. Like, there wasn't, like, a like clear tell forever. Last week was the tell because they played a lot more 12 personnel. Uh, he's so cheap, he's hard to ignore. The matchup isn't great because the 49ers are built on, like, small, fast linebackers. I mean, Fred Warner – is 236 Quan Alexander's 227 like they're built to defend linebackers and they're allowing a league low 3.9 yards per target to opposing tight ends already uh they're 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 really built to defend the tight end well but like he's so cheap and they're gonna throw it's gonna be hard to ignore if he's gonna be on the field they're gonna play more 12 personnel which I think that they would try to do anyways to slow down this pass rush a little bit um Goff has always been one of these guys like we we talk about him he's like the Drew Brees uh, you know, Ren, uh, Ben Roethlisberger type guys. Like, like he just plays better at home. He puts up better fantasy points at home. Uh, even even though he's had been under pressure this year, he's fourth in pressure, highest pressure rate in the NFL. He still has hit both times at home. He's been a QB one, and everyone was home games dating back to last year except for one. Um, we just kind of look for him always at home. Their games typically go over at home. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're looking at him. It's not a great matchup, like John said, because the 49ers are fourth in pressure rate. And he's, like I said, he's our, he's fourth highest in pressure rate as a quarterback. So the 49ers are probably going to get home here. Uh, everyone else has against them. So why wouldn't they, uh, you know, cup's been kind of his binky, you know, on third downs and because the pressure has been coming cups got four straight hundred yard games. He has 12 or more targets in each of the past three games, nine or more catches in all those games. Bob, Bob Forrest is actually pretty interesting though because he's his expected points he's way lagging he should be right around the rb7 in expected points and he's like floating around the rb22 so i mean like it, or the wide receiver 22 so um there's going to be some re- recourse for him and we had it a couple weeks ago into the bucks and then last week it kind of fell back off but i mean if cooks doesn't play i mean he's gonna be another guy that's gonna get a bunch of targets i mean how real is this 49ers secondary do we know yet 
Um, I hate to keep saying like, well, we'll just see, we keep giving them another week and see when they're tested. <laughs> this next game is their biggest test. But I mean, you know, Landry at four for 75, Odell two for 27. They didn't, they did nothing. Uh, so, I mean, we can, we're kind of, we're, there's going to be a point where we have to start, stop making excuses for the 49ers defense and accept that they're good. Uh, maybe it'll be this week, but I mean, I'm still interested in cup for sure, just based on the volume he's getting and, you know, how he's just being used by, by golf. Uh, it's going to be really hard to get away from. And this is the first week they finally hiked his price. He had been so cheap for the <laughs> whole first month, and no one ever messed with his price. And I still don't think they made it high enough. All right. I, I know every AAF player, but I had to think about Bob Forrest for a second. That almost threw me. I know. Me. I was like, Bob Forrest. I'm like, I don't know a Bob Forrest. And then you said, like, the top 30 RB, and I'm like, I really don't think there's a Bob for yeah, I blew it. I blew it. Yeah, no, you had it, man. No, it was good. It was smart. No, well, it, just, it just shows we're a bunch of smoes. That's all it is. <laughs> all right. Let's talk Atlanta and Arizona because we are contractually obligated to discuss an Arizona Cardinals game. It's a 51 total. Atlanta's two and a half point favorites on the road. And Douglas, we saw last week the Atlanta defense, not the greatest defense in the world, giving up a billion points to the Houston Texans. Now they get a Cardinals offense that – Seems to be clicking a little bit more. Kyler Murray finally starting to run a little bit. And uh, was it nine or ten carries last week? David Johnson, of course, a phenomenal play, especially in PPR every week. Dega, what do we think about this Arizona side? Reeves mentioned last week that the Cardinals hill all when we talked about the Bengals and Andy Dalton. But uh, but genuinely, both of these teams hill all. Like, this is the hill all game. This is the hill all bowl, honestly. Uh, and now we have Kyler Murray, who, as you mentioned, is running more playing with what we think on Wednesday at least may be a, his full set of receivers back because Christian Kirk and Demir Bird, Demir Bird who was actually leading in snaps um, among this group of wideouts before he got injured, returned to practice. And so we're going to get Fitzgerald, Kirk in the middle, and then your Demir Bird and Keyshawn Johnson back on the outside. So we're getting full-scale Cardinals. Um, you don't need a rocket scientist to tell you if David Johnson's out, you go 100% Chase Edmonds. Like, we're not here to do yeah. that. You already know that. You shouldn't be watching this show, honestly. You shouldn't <laughs> be playing DFS if you're not going to play Chase Edmonds. But, uh, but for the receivers, I think you just go back to Larry Fitzgerald because that's the guy that was being concertedly used on downfield targets whenever Christian Kirk was in the lineup. They would use Christian Kirk underneath and pepper him with targets underneath. But Larry Fitzgerald, they were scheming 20-plus yards downfield. Uh, he was being used differently despite his 63-year-old age. So uh, I like Fitzgerald as a tournament play, not in cash so much. Rich might have something else to say about that. But uh, I like Fitzgerald in tournaments. You have to love Kyler uh, because this game is just going to be the ultimate shootout because both offenses are quietly being efficient. It's just that their defenses are historically bad. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Kyler. I don't think you have to pair with anybody. You know, with the running, especially, Fair. I think you can play him, especially with how he spreads the ball around. I don't think if Kyler goes off, it necessarily means that one of these wide receivers are putting up a slate-breaking score. Reeves, what do we think about this Arizona side? Yeah, I, I do have to give them a little credit because they came out of the horizontal raid last week, you know, after the three weeks of downtrending for Kyler Murray. He actually had a 10.2-yard dot, which is the highest since week one. So it's nice to finally see him actually move the ball downfield again. Uh, so I'll put a pause on the horizontal raid. I'll give him a reprieve. <laughs> That's too um, name, good of a name, man. You got to like – It know. really is. Everyone's using it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one thing they got to start doing is putting the ball into the paint. Like this is – it's starting to get really frustrating. They've scored a touchdown now. 
on just 31.6% of their possessions inside of the red zone. That's ahead of only the Dolphins so far. They've kicked seven field goals inside the five-yard line this year. The next highest team has two on the season. Um, we got to get some touchdowns. because It's really hurt Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray's mitigated it because he's finally started to run these past three weeks. But he's thrown a touchdown pass for once every 331 passing yards. It's ahead of just Josh Rosen. Uh, for quarterbacks, the touchdown pass this season. League average is 167.9 passing yards per touchdown pass. So, I mean, there's got to be some some recoil coming. And if it's going to come, why not here, where the Falcons are allowing a touchdown pass once every 109.7 yards passing. That's 30th in the league. Um, you know, like I said, they're kind of another one of these defenses that kind of lifts all tides. So, if you're going to break out of a passing touchdown slump, I mean, why not against the Falcons who love passing touchdowns to just about everyone? He actually has, and Kyler actually has more rushing yards than Lamar Jackson the last three weeks. Uh, so he's, we're getting some a little bit of that Konami juice, which has given him, he's had 16 or more fantasy points in all five of his starts. So he's hit some value. DraftKings has priced him up highly regularly. Yeah. FanDuel is not. FanDuel's kept him in like that 75 range um, pretty much the whole season. And he's still there again this week. I think he's 77 or 76. Um, I'm sure someone will correct me on that, but the, he's still a little bit of a value over there because he's running around and you might get some upside there. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the receivers, it's you haven't had to really latch on to him because there have been no touchdowns to go around. And if they are going to throw a touchdown, it's probably going to go to Larry Fitzgerald. Um, but uh, you know, the, and the, the other thing too is the Falcons are just getting just slaughtered in the slot, which is where both he and Christian Kirk played. Uh, opposing um, their last league and points allowed to opposing slot wideouts, they've allowed lines of. Eight catches, 115 yards, four for 47, eight for 59 and two, 10 for 116 and a touchdown, uh, and then two for 17 uh, in the opener to slot wideouts per game. That's because the Vikings threw 10 total passes in that game uh, in the opener. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I think you can play Kyler naked. You can stack him with, inversely with the other side. And then, yeah, if, if David Johnson happens to be out, um, it really hurts too because I don't think with the back injury, I don't know if you – He's David Johnson was probably going to be a cash game play this week. And I don't think he can be now um, based on, you know, him coming out of that game and, you know, backs are really not something we want to mess around with. Um, but this slate is kind of interesting. We'll talk about it when we get to like the later on for the running back. So main slate running back is pretty interesting this week, but I don't think that you can go to him now with a back injury. Yeah. I've heard some people talking about, well, the Falcons are better against running backs out of the backfield because they haven't given much as given up as much production this year. They faced Houston, Tennessee, and Indy the last three weeks. Not exactly three teams that throw to their running backs a ton. So if you're thinking that, don't even worry about it. David Johnson, if he plays, I think he has a huge game. And if he misses, yeah, just get Chase Edmonds in all your lineups. Don't get cute. Uh, Atlanta side, obviously Matt Ryan has been – I think he's looked bad, but from a fantasy standpoint, he's been really consistent. Uh Dago, you're shaking your head no. Go ahead, man. No, I was shaking my head no as to agree with you because I was confused like you. It's like their yeah. offense really has been underwhelming when you yeah. watch them. It just – it lacks – vivid like it lacks vigor and explosiveness and fun honestly we don't like vigorless offenses <laughs> but but then you look at Ryan's stats and he throws for over 300 every week like and it's because they're off it it's because their defense is legitimately one of the worst in the leagues and and you look at how they've contained running backs and that's why it doesn't make sense but it's just the fact that efficiently they're being inefficient like they're just 
Ryan does nothing last week, for instance, against the Texans, but score. And then every time he looks up, the Texan just moved down the field for another <laughs> scoring drive. And he's just like, dude, like, what more do you want me to do? Like, Ryan cannot do anything more. But thus, that has made all of them valuable. Calvin Ridley, finally a bounce back last week. I wish we knew Julio Jones' is status, and we think he plays. He didn't play today with a back injury, quote-unquote back injury probably veteran rest he'll probably play and if he does same with david johnson if he plays we've seen how much injury matters in skilled players this year and the fact is it just hasn't mattered at all you still just roster guys if they play so um you're going to all them and honestly i think it's only been one week but probably as well people have forgotten about the tight end flow charts uh because austin hooper hasn't run a season low 18 routes or whatever it was that Tyler Eifert did in that trap spot last week. So uh, it's just another smash spot for Austin Hooper. who's going to finish like top six tight end in season long, top five probably. Um, and it's just a, just an amazing, more than a safety valve. He's being schemed open in this offense and they have to use him and Muhammad Sanu regularly because they can't stop anyone. They're in constant shootouts. And that will again be the case this week. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Austin Hooper just crushing it all year, and he's somebody that I've just whiffed on big time. And I've got this mental block where I always say, well, you can't play Austin Hooper because there's no upside. And Reeves, as we've seen this year, that has just not been the case, which is I guess I have to get over my own mental block because he has been crushing it. And, you know, again, we expect Arizona to score here. There's little reason to think that Atlanta won't be scoring too. Yeah, I mean, well, this situation is that they're the Steelers from last year. I mean, it's completely what it is. They're number one in the league in pass rate. They trail by double-digit points almost every game. Uh, you know, and, and Austin Hooper leads the league in routes run uh, on the season. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan leads the league in completions and pass attempts in the season. I mean, they, they just throw the entire game. It doesn't matter that Matt Ryan throws a crippling interception every game. Uh, <laughs> it gets usually run back for a touchdown uh, because they have to drop back and throw every pass. Every play has, is basically a pass. Uh, maybe that totally won't be the case here because the Cardinals aren't a team that really are, are going to run away from anybody. But the team probably objectively can't run the football anyways. I mean, Devontae Freeman is averaging just 3.7 rushing fantasy points per game, uh, you know, kind of staying afloat. I mean, what we're worried about, though, is the difference between this and like something like the Steelers of last year is there's a far wider usage tree uh, than what we had at Pittsburgh last year. And it's really like affected, you know, especially the wide receivers because they're getting so many ancillary dump offs these past few weeks. Cooper, Sanu, who has five or more catches the past three weeks. And now Devontae Freeman, who the past three weeks, you know, I've seen his receiving, you know, work rise. Uh, you know, we're starting to see like a lot more, a lot of these passes go underneath. I mean, Julio was at 24% of team targets through three weeks, just 14% of team targets over the past two weeks. Uh, but we talked about it with Ridley when we talked about um, that Houston game last week. I mean, you don't fade anyone in an offense that's just throwing for this many yards. Like, you just keep going as well. It's eventually going to find – it's going to find you, and it found, finally found Ridley last week. There's going to be some oscillation that goes back to Julio Jones uh, this week, and we're getting the final week without Patrick Peterson before he finally comes back. I mean, I, I mean, he's, we're not going to avoid the Cardinals defense when he comes back, but we like that he's not there again for another yeah. week. Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, um, it's just a pass game to keep going to the well on because they can't run. They're constantly trailing uh, and they're just going to put up a lot of passing yards. So, I mean, let's just swerve into it. Yeah. Low key Arizona's uh, claimed Trevor Williams off of waivers. And if he ever gets healthy, I actually think him and Patrick Peterson, when Peterson comes back, could really fix this Arizona secondary. Um, all right, let's go on because we've got, you know, we just talked about three games that 
are by far the three best games on this slate. And I think we're going to see a lot of ownership this week concentrated around these games. But of course, if you want to differentiate in tournaments, last week you didn't have to because all the chalk went off. But normally you got to differentiate a little bit. So Reeves, outside of those games that we've talked about, who are some of the quarterbacks you're looking at this week? Well, I think it's – I think we're, so we've got a, a log jam at the top, right, where people either want to play Mahomes, they want to play Watson. Those are the two guys they're going to want to play. And then if not, they'll want to want to play the two guys we just talked about, Kyler Murray and Matt Ryan. Well, who's the other guy that's priced up there that's probably going to go overlooked? Came off of his worst game of his career. Lamar Jackson gets a home game against the Bengals, uh, who have already – like we saw them allow strong rushing games to Kyler Murray, 93 yards. Josh Allen ran for 46 yards on them. Uh it's just a smash spot at home against the, the Bengals, you know, circling the drain already, uh, you know, talking about possibly trading AJ Green. Like it's a team that has no fight in them. Uh, you know, they were down big at home last week to the Cardinals who were winless, a West coast team going to the East coast. They had to fight back to get in that game. Uh, so, I mean, I'm looking at Lamar Jackson and he's, he's probably people are just going to bypass him at the top trying to play those other guys that are priced up there. Yeah. I have no problem with Lamar Jackson any week. Uh, Dago, what do you think about some of the quarterbacks? Yeah, well, it's, it's another one I'm looking at is Matt Ryan, but we just talked in depth about him, so that's an obvious one. Um, if you want to go a little bit off the board, it, well, it depends how really – let's not go too far off the board just yet. But let's just say that uh, uh, Russell Wilson, again, against this Browns defense, whether they have Denzel Ward or and Greedy Williams back or not, um, we've seen – like they're averaging 9.4 yards per attempt passing the ball in, in neutral situations, despite the fact that they just choose not to run in neutral situations. Like Russell Wilson is a Hall of Famer that is just being contained week in and week out by the hierarchy in place. It's not his fault at all. And yet he just continues to absolute smash as a top two quarterback in season long fantasy. It's insanity. Um, and this Seattle defense is bottom five, and this is just setting up for Nodell Beckham speech next round. But uh, <laughs> this this Seattle defense is just it's bad. It's a uh, bottom five, bottom three, I believe, in quarterback hits, bot, uh, bottom third of the league in both sack rate and sacks. Um, and if Baker answers, because there's no need for Cleveland offensive line to be better, like they have to be, they have to be average. I admit that, but they're not playing San Francisco's defensive line anymore. They're playing a much worse defensive line. And so if Baker answers for whatever reason, then that forces Seattle to once again start throwing the ball. And who doesn't want to play a top three quarterback every week at less ownership? Not me. And so uh, I don't mind going right back to Russell Wilson. Dude, you're going to get me thinking about Baker all freaking week now. Like, I, would- I almost went off the board and said Baker. I didn't want to go too yeah. deep, though. Yeah. And I'm looking like, man, I can play him at 5-5, five, five and I can play Exactly, exactly. Hey, I have, I have fantasy beef, too, with this Russell Wilson-Pat right, Patrick Mahomes thing. Let's hear it. Uh, so, like, Russell or Patrick Mahomes finally had, like, two down games, and everyone's come out of their trees, like, the regression, here it is. We told you. Everyone's, like, told you it was going to happen. But those same people were saying Russell Wilson was going to regress, and he's still lighting it up with like a 7.7 touchdown rate. Everyone wants to come out and, and wave their hat at the calling the Patrick Mahomes regression, but no one is – everyone's just ignoring that everyone said the same thing about Russell Wilson. He's still popping off on throwing four touchdowns on 23 pass attempts. I'm well, on if it makes you feel better, I was wrong on Russell Wilson and right on Patrick Mahomes. So I'm like the opposite of the group yelling right now. <laughs> we're all yelling when it comes to Baker oh, yeah. like that guy man all right let's talk some running backs and Debbie you mentioned earlier that you thought it was a really interesting week for running backs so talk to us about some of your favorite running backs this week 
Reeves mentioned that, but I nodded my I nodded my head. That's hard. what I mean. I mean, let's say yeah. it was it was such a good head nod. Well, I it, you said it. There are two interesting positions though, because one last week we didn't have a total over fifty, and so it's like okay, like we have all these similar totals. One's going to go over. Why would you concentrate ownership to one game when they're all similar? Um, and we all love the 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 Texan games, obviously, but this week three totals over fifty. A lot of interesting spots. Injuries will still play themselves out, but the fact is we just don't have Christian McCaffrey on the slate, and that makes everything already unique. Like, that already is going to divide the conquer versus the congered, just because, like, if you're you're paying attention and you are doing this correctly, you're going to make the right plays just by not having, obviously, the best player on the entire slate weekly on this slate. So, um... I just, I just looked to in, in his spot. I played him last week in cash, and a lot of people have been playing him all season long despite his injury woes. But I think we can just go back to Leonard Fournette atop the list because, yes, we were concerned about injuries beforehand. But remember, as Reeves was saying, as I was saying in the preseason, the injury he came into the year with from last year was totally indifferent. It was not the same thing that he battled throughout his entire career, and thus it didn't matter. And we're seeing how much it matters this year not at all, because he still continues handling over 95% of their carries, over 95% of their targets and route run. The dude is on the field every single spot. And uh, now against the Saints defense, who we still don't qualify as that good, um, I, I just it, there's no issue in going right back to Fournette, cash games, and tournaments this week. See, I just can't help but think he's going to be injured during a game soon. But maybe that's probably just- it's probably when I just touted him. Actually, yep, yeah, yeah, this seems to be the week. Reeves, since you were the one that actually made the comment about running backs being interesting this week, what are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, I love it because there's, you know, we don't have McCaffrey, so we don't have the autoplay. And I'm curious to see when McCaffrey gets up because last week it was around this time. Last year it was around this time when Gurley got to 10K on DK. He never went over 10K on DK, but he was he was up to 11. He got up to 11.2 on FanDuel. So I've been waiting for McCaffrey to get there because he's been better through this point of the season than Gurley even was last year. Uh, so we don't have him removed. We've got Dalvin Cook against the Eagles, who have, have been a defense we've constantly avoided. And we saw Dalvin Cook in a similar spot against the Bears a couple weeks ago have his, you know, air quotes, worst game of the year. He found the end zone, but, you know, only 35 yards rushing. The good thing about him is he's involved in the pass game heavily. Uh, we've got Ezekiel Elliott, uh, who, who hasn't ca- who's not catching passes against a Jets team who hasn't allowed any running back to go over 70 yards in a game this season yet. Um, John Dangle mentioned Fournette that – the Saints haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher since Samaj P. Ryan in week 11 of 2017. <laughs> that's an incredible uh, stat, by the way. Yeah. We I, don't care. I don't care, but that's an incredible Ryan. stat. Um, I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, those are we're not fading any of those guys because like these are guys that aren't coming off the field. We don't fade those guys. We won't fade running back touches ever, even in tough matchups. But it makes the slate interesting to me because those guys have lower floors and maybe lower ceilings than they typically would on a given week. So, I mean, I like going under the hood. I think Nick Chubb is a guy that's going to get overlooked, you know, at home against the defense that we objectively just said we don't think is good. And, is, you know, uh, the Seattle's a team that record-wise, I believe, has played above all their peripheral stats and point differential and everything else. Um, a guy that no one's going to want to play uh, but is severely underpriced for his usage is Le'Veon Bell. Uh, he's going to get Sam Darnold yeah. back. Uh he has 60.5% of the Jets' offensive touches this season. It's the highest share of any team touches in a se- uh, for a team this year. I wish it wasn't coming off of a game where we saw Aaron Jones score four touchdowns on the Cowboys, though. 
because, you know, yeah. a, a lot of people are going to see that and just, you know, kind of go to that. Uh, the Jets' offensive line, though, is still a major obstacle. He's just a pure touch play. Um, and then Mark Ingram was in that same matchup we talked about. Lamar Jackson is just in a dynamite spot because the Ravens are banged up at receiver. You know, Mandrews is dealing with, like, his 17th injury of the season. He has – his combined yards the last three games are lower than the yards he had either of his first two games. Marquise Brown's now dealing with a couple injuries. Um the Ravens are first in the league in rushing yardage differential than their opponents, plus 102 yards. The Bengals are 31st in that same category. The Bengals have a lot of 838 rushing y- yards so far. It's the most by a team through five games since the 2012 Saints. Uh, and then 41% of the yardage allowed by the Bengals is comes via rushing. So it sets up well for Mark Ingram. I mean, he's a never a guy who can play in cash because he doesn't catch passes. But he's got multiple touchdown uh, upsides, upside uh, in his range of outcomes. Uh, and 100 yards, I think, are probably almost close to a lock. Because we talked about the Bengals last week when we talked about the Cardinals, a team that couldn't run at all all season, came out and had their best rushing game of the season, even when you remove Kyler Murray and just look at what the backs did. Chase Edmonds and uh, David Johnson did rushing in that game. Uh, I mean, a team like the Ravens is going to run all down the throat of Bengals. Uh, put it this way, via Ryan McDowell's Twitter account. Uh, the Bengals have played five games and they've allowed six RB1s. I think that tells you everything you need to know. Um, by the way, quick thoughts though, because Leonard Fournette, I think, was a given despite Reeves' mean stat that just threw me under the bus. Um, I'm still going to play him in cash, by the way. I, I love fornication. But, uh, but quick, quick, quick thoughts because Kenyon Drake's underpriced and is the only good matchup of the year. Do you have any thoughts on Kenyon Drake at all? Sure. Why not? I know they just said that. Sure, Mark why Walton, not? That was Kenyon Drake. I, 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 I know they just said Mark Walton was going to be more involved going forward, but you got yeah, they did say that. It's going to start getting more of the touches. What about the running back on the other side? Bill Callahan wants to run the ball. He's the favorite. Come on, let's. Fanduel. I, I was no looking points. for that game on the show sheet uh, today. I and, swear, uh, you know, I'm, we, I'm not Super Bowl. Bowl. Three minutes ago, I was sitting here looking at that game, and I'm like, I just should have put this on there. We should have talked Washington Miami and made sure we had no. So that- that game has literally two ranges two outcomes right like either <laughs> either both teams are like are fun bad and like yep. it's the best possible outcome they both can have or like both teams are just terrible and washington's a little less terrible and they win like 20 to 13 preston williams has a 29 percent target share going into this game in a smash spot and absolutely no one's talking about it because no one wants to watch this dumb game i want to talk about a guy in this game though do it Scary Terry, dude. Yeah, it's, yeah, Terry yeah. McLaurin. Now, now that Case Keenum starting, man, like we've got some upside, dude. Terry McLaurin is is really good, and I don't ever just drop like the, the the hashtag analysis. Really good. So he only had three catches for fifty one yards last week against the the Patriots. Uh, but like Scott Barrett said, it was only the third time since he since Stephon Gilmore has been a Patriot, he's allowed over fifty receiving yards to a, a single receiver in a game. Uh, I mean, he he's really good. He did that with Colt McCoy. Uh, you know, now that we get Case Keenum back, there's a little bit more of a ceiling, a guy that's willing to take more chances. Uh, and then the matchup is good. I mean, he's, he, the uh, Dolphins are 22nd in points allowed to opposing wide receiver ones uh, this season. So, I mean, he's a guy that, like, his pricing hasn't caught up because he got hurt after, like, his surge. He got hurt and then came back last week for a three for 51. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in on McLaurin. Yeah, it's weird because we I, I used to think of Xavier Howard as one of the few really good shutdown cornerbacks, and he just hasn't been good this year. Like, Amari lit him up. A few other guys have lit him up. Like, he just hasn't been good. So, I hope – That's uh, he, Xavier Rhodes as well. Xavier Rhodes is getting really overrated this year. 
Xavier Rhodes has been overrated for like three years. That's fair as well. Yeah, <laughs> but like Xavier Howard, I always thought was really good, and he's just been getting freaking roasted week in week out. Like this whole team's just quit. He's got the I stink hope, on him, bro. The stink. I mean. I, it's true, man. Like Miami, you go down there. Woo, boy, yeah. And I hope that people look at Terry McLaurin and that six K price tag, and they go. Uh, I don't know. I just can't pay that because that seems like an absurd price for Terry McLaurin in a game with a 41 point total. And for me, I'm going to roll him out there on a few teams. Well, who are some other wide receivers you're looking at this week, Dago? Uh, I already mentioned one Preston Williams, but I can, we can go ahead and get a group chat going here. We're not going to go back to Michael Thomas, but um, what about now that Sam Donald's under center and we have air yards back on this offense that may actually protect him. Uh, what do we think about Robbie Anderson? Because yeah, we've mind, we've just been kind of yeah we've been kind of sitting around Robbie Anderson like Jameson Crowder in week one with Darnold yes had a forty one percent target share but again against Buffalo who we now know and we thought at the time even was one of the best defenses in the league and holds everyone underneath because man to man along the sidelines like you can't Levi Wallace and uh, Tre'Davious White you just can't throw against them so we haven't seen Robbie Anderson with a comparable quarterback in four weeks now five weeks now. Um, and so, uh, dabble in tournaments, sure, but like Robbie Anderson's price, specifically on DK, like yeah. he's gone all the way down to 4K. And this is a guy that has reached 7K in the past before. So, um, I, I just think it's just a really cheap option. And he only needs, now that he has the face of the franchise back, he only needs like two targets to hit and then it's game over. Reeves, are you Robbie for Robbie? <laughs> uh, I'm a little scared just the whole situation, just because I, I'm inherently, I'm, I, I'm down on quarterbacks that come back from multi-week absences. Like, I've always been that way and have talked about this before in the past. So, I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting, like, a big bounce-back game for Darnold. And, you know, he had, like, a legit sickness that, like, where people shed weight. And, you know, um, I, I need to get that, some of that mono. What's that? I need to get some of that mono. <laughs> you need to, you need I to need to some. give me some mono. That's yeah. a real sentence that was stated. And then the, the, the matchup is also objectively tough. I mean, Dallas is fifth in the league against opposing left wide receivers. Where Anderson runs a little over 60% of his routes. He would get Byron uh, Jones, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a little tough. I mean, I, I have no pushback, though, on taking, like, a 4K, like, shot, though. Because, like, Daniel said, I mean, if he catches two of seven targets or three of seven targets and one of the 60-yard touchdowns, uh you know that's enough I mean I'm I'm not someone I I talk about these matchups and we talk we use them as part of our analysis but I never go overboard with the cornerback analysis like it's never. it's it's never something that completely moves me off of a guy because the, the wide receiver position is inherently variant and when you have a guy that already runs his routes and gets his targets in a high variant fashion like Robbie Anderson um you're only talking about a couple plays anyways uh, and he can totally get shut down the whole game. He's one of those guys that can literally have 20 yards through three and a half quarters, and people can take their victory laps. And then he has one that just, you know, hit, hits for a long touchdown or something like that. So, I mean, uh, there's very few guys, like, I'm, like, just – I circle and I'm, like, I'm going to fade that guy because this guy. Iron Jones is a very good player, but uh, he's not one of those guys on my list. Uh, but I am a little bit just skeptical of the whole Darnold coming back from a month of mono uh and being able to just like come back in spades without chris herndon now as well as we all just <laughs> erupted when we saw the news he pulled his hamstring friday he, he wasn't even practicing with the team like he was just running routes by himself like and we found out wednesday how does that happen in 2019 with like know. 13 beat reporters assigned to every team how does that well, happen? the girly the girly thing's the same way he played play on thursday that's true yeah that's, like, that's aggravating that's annoying. Yeah, it's very strange. Reeves, did you have one wide receiver that you're kind of looking at also that we haven't talked about? 
Um, I mean, there's a couple interesting guys. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I think the Vikings guys are interesting again. Now we've seen that they're actually willing to throw. This is uh, this, this matchup is tailor made for Stefan Diggs for what it's worth. Yeah, his his price has dropped so far on both sites. I mean, he's 59 on DK, 58 on FanDuel. The Vikings were in a spot similar as a couple weeks ago against the Bears, where they were in a, a pass funnel situation. The only difference is the Bears are not a pass funnel because they are good against pass as well, uh, where the Eagles are not. Kirk Cousins threw 36 passes in that game against the Bears, and Diggs did hit in that game for over 100 yards. Um, but the Eagles' back end is just nowhere near as good as Chicago. So if we can get 36 pass attempts against the Eagles, I think we're in business for both these guys to kind of hit. Uh, you know, obviously, Dalvin Cook's going to be heavily involved in the passing game as well. And they're not even asking Kyle Rudolph to even go out for passes at this point. So it's just really like a three-man game in the pass game. So, I mean, there's enough targets to go around, I think, for all these guys to play with double-digit targets. Um, Diggs has kind of touched them up too the last two times he's played them, you know, for good games. So, I mean, he's there. I mean, Thielen got his price bump. But yeah, I mean, Diggs is kind of, I think, in the squeakiest wheel spot now in a game where they're going to have to throw. So it could oscillate back to Diggs. Uh, I think, man, I got to fall in love with oscillate on the show. Uh, but I mean, uh, the yeah, the Vikings are on another spot where I think Diggs is just too cheap right now. Uh, I wish we had Deshaun Jackson on the other side because the Eagle offense has clearly stunted without him in the past three games, four games, really. But uh, but yeah, just Kirk Cousins, we didn't have it on our run sheet to, uh, for sneaky game stacks. But if we did, I was going to mention playing Cousins. And you could even stack them with Dalvin Cook, honestly. Uh, yes, like the toughest matchup to date Cook will face. But Cook passed digs and targets just last week. He now leads him 24 to 23 on the year. And like no one's going to play two guys, one quarterback in a great matchup, and the other running back getting every single touch for his backfield as a game stack. But that's a pure like every single touch, account for every single touchdown on that offense game stack. Um, but, but again, for a game stack, you need the Eagles to answer. And I'm not sure where they answer. Honestly. I don't know. I, I don't really see it for Philly. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe Alshon on the outside, but like we need Deshaun Jackson back for yeah. a variety of reasons, man. Yeah. Like it's, it's weird because I don't think I've ever been as confident in a low owned play as I was last week in Alshon Jeffrey. So like, I have like, you know, I got like the goosebumps on me and everything. Every time. The positive I, thing I, is that the giants didn't answer last week though. And they at least stuck with it. That's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And they know they're not probably not going to be able to run the ball. Now that might push people off of Dalvin Cook, um, but I mean he has at least six point seven PPR receiving points in four straight games. The Eagles are uh, awesome. They're third in rushing points allowed to backfields, but they're twenty second in receiving points allowed to backfield. And the Vikings have the um, second highest target rate to running back on the year. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, uh, there's there's receiving upside still for Dalvin Cook. It makes him more of a DK play than a FanDuel one. Um, but, uh, I mean, I think that people are going to force him in anyways, just because he's been so good and they can't click Christian McCaffrey. So they're just going to click the next known. I'm not sure because I think everybody's going to try and kind of play, you know, Julio, I think Hopkins and Fuller both get ownership. I think you're going to be surprised at Dalvin's ownership. Do you have a, like a, do you have a main slate running back projection? Yeah. Right. Yeah. The projected ownership on him is 12%. Okay. We're in business. We're in business. Who's the who's the highest then, Zeke? Uh, well, I don't know. I got I haven't sorted it by that. Hey, oh, Jesus. sorry. I thought. I mean, I'm putting too much pressure on you here. I bet it, we got we got, got Fournette at like thirty percent. I must say, I bet it's Fournette, dude. Yeah. Okay. 
Fournette at Which, 30. And again, like you, as you mentioned, I'm glad you said that because that gets me on Fournette in tournaments. As McCaffrey, you just play him across the board anyways. But uh, Fournette, I just I cannot imagine going away from Cash given his usage. Yeah, we've got Zeke at a pretty high number too. Zeke's actually projected to be the highest on at 33%. And I have, I, 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 have, I have no interest whatsoever in Zeke, yeah. which means that he's definitely going for 50 this week. But guys, we got to get <laughs> off here. But first, Rich, we have a request in the chat. They want to know if those are video game characters on your shirt. Uh, yeah, I got some 8-bit uh, Marvel characters uh, on my on my shirt here. Looking good as always. Dagle, are those, <laughs> is that an Adidas logo on your shirt? No one asked that in the chat. You're lying <laughs> about <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't want you to feel left out, man. No, it's, it's, just a, it's just a hoodie. It's just black on white. I'm fashionable. Not really. You're... But... You're, uh, dude, that's that's the fashion, man. I don't know how to make it look like. If I was looking at a runway, I would expect to see Daigle's outfit more than I would Reaper. I prefer Sorry. the I prefer the St. Louis arch to be honest. That's the best. You yeah, mean, I hope the I hope the uh, Atlanta Falcons do better against the Cardinals than the Atlanta Braves <laughs> did against the Cardinals. <laughs> oh, that is just a perfect way to end the show. I want to thank everybody for watching. Make sure you stay tuned. We've got the Pro Football Focus show with uh, Daniel Kelly and Britt Devine coming up next. For Rich Freebar, we're John Daigle. I'm Eric Crane. Thanks for watching, everybody. See y'all later. Peace.